Good morning and welcome again. We're, gl we're glad that you're here today. We're always glad to have visitors with us, if that be the case. And you're visiting with us today. We want you to know that we are honored by your presence. We encourage you to come back. I do want to encourage those of you that may be looking for a church home. As always, we invite you to think about the work here. We have great elders, got a great group of deacons. We have a tremendous youth group as well. A lot of good things to offer, and so we'd love to have you come and be a part of the work here. I know the elders would be more than happy to sit down and answer any questions that you might have, and they would be able to answer questions about service and about the direction of this church, and so I want to encourage you to do that if that need were to arise. I'm going to be looking in just a moment at Jonah chapter 3, and really we're using Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 as a springboard to what we're going to be talking about in our study today, the God of second chances. I would imagine that many of us have been the recipients of a second chance. I can recall several years ago a gentleman telling me about a man that had made a mistake. In some form or fashion, he had messed up. And as a result of that mistake, severe actions were going to follow. His response was, I only did it one time. The reply being, that was one time too many. Aren't you grateful for second chances? Aren't you thankful to know that God is a being who will afford us second chances? In our study today, I want you to consider with me this idea, the God of second chances, because I believe that many of us as part of the human family, we need second chances. Sometimes we need second, third, even fourth chances. The only problem is sometimes those opportunities, those chances don't come. So I want to begin today in our lesson as we think about the God of second chances. I want us to begin by saying that you have a second chance to change. Think about that for a minute. You have a second chance to change. There is hope for you to change. And as we think about the possibility of change, you need to understand that there is hope for you to change. Hope is a tremendous word of encouragement. To know that there is hope extended to all of us to change. Paul would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, today is the day of salvation. We talk about living in the moment. I can't offer you hope tomorrow because I don't know if you'll be here tomorrow. I can't extend hope to next week because, again, I just don't know if we'll be here. But if we talk about the here and now, you have the hope for change right now, in the moment. You have the hope to make whatever changes are necessary in your life to be pleasing to God. Solomon, many years ago, said, who knows what a day may bring forth. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know this. Right now, 
today. That offer's on the table. You have the hope to change, that possibility for change. What a great thing. Not only is there hope for change, but there is a help for change. Did you know that there are some factors that can help you in your change? First and foremost, I think about the Savior. Jesus was a difference maker while upon this earth. And you look at the many lives that he came in contact with. And there were people of varying backgrounds. There were people that were so different in so many ways. And yet Jesus made a profound impression and impact on their lives. Many of us have probably seen the program or a program that deals with extreme makeovers. One day I was at the gym and I just happened to look up at the television screen and they were talking to a young lady that worked on a farm. And she looked like a farmer. She was a young lady, maybe early 20s, and I think she worked on a horse farm, I'm not sure, but nonetheless, she was a farmer. And she looked like a farm girl. And really, not that attractive. And so they took this girl and they fixed her hair, they gave her some new clothes to wear, and did a lot of different things. And then they presented the new person. And let me tell you what, it was altogether different. You talk about an extreme makeover. This girl was beautiful. Well, what I'm trying to say is the Lord has the ability to give you an extreme makeover. Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Whatever your past, whatever that past may entail, you need to understand that God has the ability and the power to give you a new start, a new life, to give you that extreme makeover. So first of all, the Savior. And then secondly, the saints. We can help you in that change. Barnabas is known for being a man of encouragement. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 11 that he encouraged Christians in the first century that with purpose of heart they might cleave unto the Lord. There is a lot of encouragement that can come to you if you want to make a change. I promise you, we'll do everything we can to help you make that change. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 6 that we're to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I understand when we talk about change, change is never easy, and yet we're here to help you make that change. We can encourage you. We can pray for you. We can spend time with you. There are some things that we can do to help you get on that road. And then the Scriptures. To think that the Scriptures can help in that transformation process. Paul would write to the church at Colossae, and say, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In other words, you let that word become, let it find a home in your heart. Let it become a change, a change. Let it, let it become something that literally changes your life. And it can do that. And so, 
the possibility of change. And then let me just talk very quickly about some people of change. I mentioned Jonah a moment ago that Jonah chapter 3 would serve as a springboard for this lesson. The story of Jonah is a great story. Jonah, as you well know, is instructed to go to Nineveh and to preach to those people. Rather than going to Nineveh, he goes in the opposite direction. He runs from the charge or the work that is entrusted into his hands by Almighty God. He has the opportunity to spend some time in the belly of a, of a large fish. And it's amazing what a little bit of time in a fish will do to the thinking of a man. A lot of changes. And so look at chapter 3, verse 1. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, preach to it the message that I tell you. Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. God gave him a second chance. And God is the one who has the ability to give us second chances. We're not perfect beings. And sometimes we get on a course, we get on a road, and we realize, you know what? We're running down the wrong road. We're, run, we're running on the wrong course. And yet to know that there is the second chance afforded us. So, Jonah's one great example. Let me give you a second one in the New Testament. The Samaritan woman. Spoken of by John in John chapter 4. You recall Jesus met her at Jacob's well. And during the course of their conversation, Jesus instructed this woman to go and to call her husband. And she said, sir, I have no husband. And he said, well, you've spoken, you've spoken rightly. You don't have a husband. He said, you've been married five times. The man you now have is not your husband. Her response, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. When you read that account, you'll find that she later says, Come see a man that has told me everything that I've ever done. Her life was radically changed. By whom? By Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I want you to know that the same Jesus that had such a profound impact upon her life can have that same impact on your life. She changed, and you can change too. There's a second thing you need to see, and that is you have a second chance for cleansing. Think about that for a minute. You have a second chance for cleansing. I would submit to you today that God has the ability, the power, to cleanse the most disgusting of sins. I know that typically we tend to categorize sin, don't we? Sometimes we talk about this is a big sin, that's a little sin, this was a grievous sin, that was not so much of a bad thing. The bottom line is sin is sin. Sometimes, though, in our heart of hearts, we have the idea that because of what we have done, and maybe it has been something that in the eyes of the world, is bad. We have this idea that we are a broken product and that there's just no way that God could ever repair us. There's no way that God would ever forgive us because of what we've done. 
You need to understand that God has the power to cleanse the most disgusting of any and every sin. When I read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, I see the Apostle Paul talking about everything from idolatry to immorality. He said, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor revilers, nor drunkards, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then here's what he said, verse 11, And such were some of you. Now if you want to know what God thinks about sin, you can read the scriptures. Sin is detestable in his eyes. And even though God detests sin, God loves the sinner, doesn't he? The Bible tells us that God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, 1 Timothy 2, 4. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In Romans chapter 5, verse 20, here's what Paul said. Where sin abounded, grace abounds more. All Paul's saying is, look, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've said. God has the ability to take care of that sin. So what you need to understand is there's no sin too big for God to handle. And there's some things that you may throw at the feet of people and talk about some of the things that have gone on in your life and they may say, whoa, wait a minute. I wasn't prepared for that or I don't know how to help you with that. That's not the case with God. God has the ability to help each of us. There's another thing you need to understand. And that is, God has the power or ability to cleanse the most delinquent of sinners. Now just think about that for a minute. No matter how delinquent you have been in your life, whatever the case may be, you can go to Corinth. And when you walk into the city of Corinth, you see people that were steeped in pagan idolatry. You see people whose lives were filled with, with immorality. Lives whose, who by, I, I guess, the very essence of things, mirrored or mirrors today, 21st century America. People living in adultery and fornication. People living in homosexuality. There were people in Corinth that had been known to steal. Some had a problem with alcohol. Some had a problem with using their tongue in a derisive and divisive manner. And yet, Paul, when he went to the city of Corinth, spent 18 months there preaching the gospel. And let me tell you what, it did wonders. So you need to understand, no matter how delinquent you may think your life is, there is a God in heaven. And that God in heaven has the ability to cleanse every sin. In Acts chapter 2, we read about the apostle Peter, the other apostles preaching the gospel on Pentecost Day. 
And the Bible tells us that they were indicted. And you know why they were indicted? Because, as Peter said, you have crucified and slain the Son of God. Now, how would you categorize that? Could you imagine somebody telling you, you're guilty of the death of the only Son God ever had? You put Him to death? What would you think? Would you think there were, that there would be any hope for you? Wouldn't you think all is lost? Let me tell you what. When they heard that, the Bible says they were cut. They were pricked in their hearts. And they cried out. And they asked Peter and the other apostles, what shall we do? And here's what Peter said. Peter didn't say, he didn't say, you're beyond hope. No one to help you. He didn't say, you know what, you just need to go on back to your hometown because this gospel message is not for you. This idea of forgiveness, it's not applicable to you. No, he didn't say that. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness, the remission of your sins. Some 3,000 people on that day obeyed the gospel. Some of those very people had been guilty of putting Jesus to death, and yet God, in His graciousness, forgave them. And not only did He forgive them, He will forgive you. If you do what they did, then you will become what they were. And what were they? They were the redeemed. They were those that had become reconciled within the body of Christ to a loving God. So, you need to understand, there is a second chance for you, not only to change, but for cleansing. And then there's a third thing. You have a second chance today for contentment. A lot of folks live today under the pretenses of contentment. And by that, I simply mean they think they're content or they're trying to convince themselves that in some, some way or another, they're content. But in reality, they're not content. And there are a lot of people in our world today, if you were to stop them on the street and to ask them, and if they were to be perfectly honest with you, they would tell you, you know what, there's something missing in my life. And it might be they can't necessarily put their finger on it, but there's something missing. There's a void, there's a vacuum in their lives. And they've tried to fill that void or that vacuum with any and everything. And guess what? Can't be filled. Can't be filled with the things of this earth. And there's a reason for that, because the things that are material in nature, they rust out, they wear out, they fade out. They are literally here today, gone tomorrow. There are a lot of people. They put a lot of, a lot of emphasis on the here and now. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, Solomon talks about all the work of his hands and all of his labors. And you know what he said? And you've got to think about it. Here's a guy that was the king over the United Kingdom. He has immense power. 
He is extremely popular among the people. He's got all kinds of material possessions. And so he surveys all of his work. And you know what he said? It's vanity. Like grasping after wind. You ever been on the beach and picked up a handful of sand? And when you picked it up and you held your hand out, what happened to that sand? It begins to fall to the ground, doesn't it? A lot of folks in our world today, they're trying to grasp a hold of something that just doesn't have any permanency. Paul said, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain. That's an absolute. It is certain we can carry nothing out. Not one thing. We came into this world with nothing, and we'll leave with nothing. The things that we have in this world, can they make us more comfortable? Yes. Can we enjoy them in the sense that they bring us some pleasure and gratification? Wouldn't deny that a bit. But when we come to the end of the road here on planet Earth, you better have more than just the here and now that you're banking on. You see, the things of this world, eventually, they fade away. They evaporate, don't they? That's why Paul said, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So, what about the place for contentment? Can you be content? You may be saying right now, you know what? I'm not satisfied with my life. I'm really not happy. I'm not fulfilled. My life lacks purpose and meaning. In short, I really don't have anything. Well, guess what? You know what the good news is? You can have it. You can have it today because you have that opportunity, the second chance. Where is it? It's in Christ. The only way you'll ever be satisfied is to live a life centered upon the Lord. The Apostle Paul talked about in Philippians chapter 4. I want you to read with me Philippians chapter 4 very quickly. I want you to read it because I want you to see it with your own eyes. Look at Philippians chapter 4. And listen to what Paul said. We talk about contentment. This whole idea of a second chance. Here's what Paul said beginning in verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned. That's the key. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul's really saying, look, I've learned how to be content with a lot. I've learned how to be content with a little. What was the source? Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Look at verse 19. And my God shall supply all, A-L-L, all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. There may be a void or vacuum in your life right now. That void or vacuum can be filled by the Lord. Solomon said it well. Fear God, keep His commandments, for this is man's all. That's what life's all about. 
The reason a lot of people in our world today aren't content, they're not happy, they're not satisfied, is because their focus is on the wrong things. So what I want you to see is you got that second chance today. Second chances don't come our way often. Sometimes, sometimes we don't get a second chance to make it right. But I want you to know that right now, right here, you have that opportunity. That offer is on the table. Now you can leave here and you can leave that offer on the table. You might be able to come back and that offer be extended again. The other side is it might not be extended again. This might be your last chance. So, what I want you to see is you have that opportunity today. Are you a Christian? Do you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? If you believe Jesus to be the Son of God, could I just ask you a question? If you believe He's the Son of God and you've never obeyed the gospel, what's holding you back? What's keeping you from obeying the gospel? Got to be something. What is it? Is it family? Is it friends? Is it your lifestyle? What is it that's keeping you from doing what you know you need to do? You have a second opportunity right now, right here. The Bible says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. If you do that, God will forgive you. And also, He will put you in the church, Acts 2.47. And in that sphere, you'll enjoy all spiritual blessings. So I'm just asking you candidly, if you believe in the Son of God, but you've never obeyed the gospel, why? What's keeping you back? What's holding you back? Got to be something. Now, it might be that you're here and you're a Christian, but you're not faithful. Your life's not what it ought to be. You know that. Could I ask you a question? What are you waiting on? What's keeping you back? What's keeping you from trying to make things right today? That offer's on the table. As we speak, it's on the table. What's holding you back? Is it pride? Is it the people you're running with? Is it because your passions are worldly in nature and not spiritual? What's, what's holding you back? Don't let anything rob you of this second chance. Make it right today. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You have that opportunity as we stand and sing.